Hello, you're listening to a special edition of the Evoke Ag podcast recorded at Evoke Ag 2023 in Adelaide. I'm your host, Martin Cudahy. During this series, we'll bring you some fly-on-the-wall conversations from our cornerstone event, Evoke Ag, with some of the thought leaders and changemakers in attendance, as well as some of our favourite panel discussions and conversations. In this episode, we're hearing from David Downs, a proud New Zealander. David has had a fascinating career that's seen him on stage as a comedian, a published author, he's worked in leadership roles with Microsoft in New Zealand and the Asia-Pacific, and held a portfolio of interests across international trade, technology, economic development, and charitable causes. It's these skills as a storyteller and a leader that has culminated in his latest role, the CEO of New Zealand Story. And as our contributor Jane Cudahy found out, there's plenty that Australia can learn from the other side of the ditch. I'm David Downs. I'm from the New Zealand Story from New Zealand. Fancy that. wasn't in the title. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, you're not selling Singapore, so that's... (laughs) I hear a lot about storytelling, and storytelling is such a big part of modern agriculture and business. Yeah. Um, Usually it's about a particular product or, you know, a bar of soap or a tractor. You're selling New Zealand. (laughs) So how? what's the brief for that kind of role? I like to think we're positioning New Zealand in a way that will make it attractive to others rather than selling it. I mean, (laughs) sorry for sale. Um, But you're right. Storytelling is a really important part of how we think these days about positioning a brand or, or as you say, a service or a product, because stories are memorable. You know, stories are the ways that people uh, for many millennia have been, you know, transmitting information, much more memorable than data or, you know, stats and figures and facts. So, um, yeah, that's what we do. So, yeah, New Zealand Story, uh, we're a government organisation. In New Zealand, of course, Aotearoa, and our role is uh, yeah, thinking about what we want to project to the world about who New Zealand is and what we do. How did you yourself come to this role? You've had such a, an amazing background, so oh. just tell us a little bit about you and, and how this became an option. Wow, okay, I'll give you the, the, the 60 second short version. Um, I dropped out of university and became an actor and a writer many years ago, so I've kind of always been a creative person. But I didn't think of it like that. I just thought I was just bumming around, you know, being a stand-up comedian actually for a long time. Not a very good one. Um, and then I'm sure I, you thought you were great. Maybe oh, your parents not so much. Maybe they thought you copped out a little bit. Head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then I ended up running my own technology businesses um, because the, the one year of university I had done, I'd learned a bit of IT stuff. So I did. Uh, I set up a, a couple of tech companies and they went moderately well. And then I, I went and worked for Microsoft for many years um, uh, in New Zealand and in Singapore. Uh, and and then I ended up going working for the trade part of New Zealand government, New Zealand Trade and Enterprise, which is a bit like Austrade here in Australia, um, basically helping exporting companies go and, and tell their stories to the world or they, and do lots of other things. And that sort of led me to this piece, really, um, you know, because I, I you know, firmly believe that uh, companies need uh, something to kind of hang on to. And, this, and New Zealand has got a wonderful brand, where I'm sure I could, you'll give me an opportunity oh, to yeah, boast no, about it in a minute, ask, yeah. <laughs> but allowing companies ways that they can think about how they kind of build on that and, and leverage the brand is kind of what we part of what we do. Yeah. So are you facilitating and working with businesses and, and different organisations towards a common kind of theme or, or storytelling or projection? If only it were that easy. I mean, if you if we were like Procter & Gamble or, you know, one of the big international brands, Heineken or whatever, we would sort of force everyone to 
be on strategy with the same brand messaging, etc. But of course, we're not. We're a country, and you know, we we don't. We the government shouldn't define the brand. Even we should we should be um, working out what is the messaging that we're trying to get across. But the beautiful thing about a country like New Zealand is we do have a deep set of values and things that we hold dear and uh, an image that the rest of the world has of us, which is actually a really positive start, you know, and it's, we've managed to, I suppose, um, as a country kind of portray this very positive image to the world. And I, and it's not just me saying that. that and it's not be, just the All Blacks. No, so, it's no, not just, you, you're know. more than the All Blacks. <laughs> no, we've also got Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that was a slightly oh, yeah, facetious comment because <laughs> it's quite important to the story. But, um, no, but, but we do have, we, for us in New Zealand, for example, our Maori values, our, our kind of indigenous, um, ways of thinking has become, you know, unbeknownst almost to many New Zealanders ourselves, it's become really deeply ingrained in who we are. Well, I was going to say that's a, from an observational point of view. You do culture and, and that integration of, of culture and indigenous values yeah. so well. Like you see, as an Australian, you see it very well through through use of language and, and oh, thank you. I think Jacinta did a pretty good job of flying that flag too. Yeah, she I mean, was, we've <laughs> been very lucky over the last little while to have an amazing brand champion with our now ex-Prime Minister. Um mm. But yeah, uh, but it's built on something you know that's been going back for years and years, and we're and we're still a work in progress. No country, you know, we're not perfect, but we uh, we do regularly see, and you know, my organisation, one of the things we do is monitor what the rest of the world thinks about us in a very sort of egocentric way. But you know, how are we perceived in Europe or how are we perceived in in Japan or whatever it might be, because that's really important. What we know is that the brand of New Zealand is valuable. People um, respect the country, they admire many things about it, but they they don't have a broad set of knowledge about what New Zealand stands for, so they typically will know you know Jacinda Ardern, or they'll know <laughs> the All Blacks, uh, the All Blacks <laughs> or they'll know one of, or they'll know beautiful landscapes than Lord of the Rings. You know, again, there it is. But we're more than that, and that's kind of my job and our my team's job is to say, right, there is more to New Zealand than just natural beauty. Well, I have to say, and this is kind of irrelevant but relevant to this particular one, but, I, but we're obviously going to have to talk about agriculture and its relationship oh, to we'll that. Get there. But I've had I've had two experiences in my life where um, one was on Zanzibar, and I'd been living in in Kenya for a time, and was quite desperate for things like real butter and you know just wow. a few other nice little things. Got to Zanzibar, and in this random little shack of a supermarket, there was New Zealand butter, and it was like twenty dollars, <laughs> and I paid it. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was like, this is going to be delicious. This really? is my holiday treat. I've got my, you know, paid $2 for my Tusker beer, but I paid $20 for my New Zealand butter. And the other, the other experience with New Zealand produce that you just, you buy it without thinking because you know where it's come from and, and, you know, yeah. the integrity behind it was, um, coming back from India. We had six weeks in India and as a beef producer's daughter, I've been, Red meat my entire life, and we were vegetarian Not for six weeks. Not a lot of weeks. beef in India. No, and <laughs> we we were strict vegetarians for the six weeks we were there. Coming back through Malaysia, um, shouted ourselves a pretty good hotel experience, and there was uh, I think I paid. It was an extraordinary amount of money for the New Zealand land. See, this makes my heart sing. This is exactly, if you want a business case for why you do branding, yeah. you just said I just, it. You know, exactly. like people will pay like... more. They'll pay a premium, not just because the taste is better, et cetera, or hopefully it is, but because you said integrity. And this, you're going right into my happy space now because, you know, one of the brand values that we have, we don't talk about this, it's not a poster on the wall. It's a Maori word called pono, and pono means integrity or honesty or, or truthfulness. And, you know, core of the brand of New Zealand is pono, is truthfulness. Um, it's not something even New Zealanders put their minds to that often, but New Zealand is, you know, 
uh, one of the most trustworthy countries in the world, highest levels of um, transparency, lowest levels of corruption, etc., etc. That's all kind of proven regularly. We don't necessarily always see that ourselves because we just live in our own environment. But when you go to the rest of the world and you go, gosh, actually transparency and trustworthiness and integrity are valuable commodities or valuable, valuable parts of a brand. And so that, you know, that's one of the, one of the, Four key values in it um, that we have. What are the other ones? Oh, there you go. I knew I set, I set <laughs> you up beautifully, didn't I? I know. We didn't even script this. It's amazing. No, it's good. Um, <laughs> well, there are things that you might think about New Zealand. So, and, and we did a piece of work, you know, with a whole lot of people from New Zealand and offshore um, to, to kind of derive these values. And we do express them in Te Reo Māori, our language, um, because it's a beautiful language that encapsulates very complicated ideas and very simple words. So, one of them um, is manaki. And manaki in in uh, Māori means um, it's got two words, mana and aki. Mana means your, you know, your your status, your your position, and aki means to build or to grow. And so when you say manaki, it, it, it has these beautiful connotations of hospitality and hosting others, but also of building um, the relationship and building reciprocity with others. And so when people come to New Zealand and they feel the sense of belonging and, and hopefully of welcome and of there's something about, you know, these people that are very warm and friendly, that's manaki. You can find out more about any of our conversations on our website, evokeag.com. Make sure to join us in Brisbane for Australia's premier agri-food innovation event, Evoke Ag, presented by AgriFutures Australia on February 18 and 19, 2025. <laughs> well, actually, when, when I went to New Zealand last, it was for the World Cup and I had my passport revoked immediately because oh. I said that um, the Wallabies were going to beat the All Blacks, which of course was, was never going to happen, <laughs> but the customs officer took it very personally. And I learned my very first important lesson about <laughs> well, see, now, national pride. Thank you for, um, <laughs> that's getting me to another one of my values. Now yeah. the third of the three or four is um, portikitanga. And poor, so in, in Māori, the word portiki means the youngest child. And the youngest child's often sort of cheeky and um, adventurous and, and sometimes, you know, daring and does things a bit differently and tanga means the spirit of that you know spirit of something of the essence and so we use this word poor tiki tanga to describe that kind of youthful exuberance and sometimes you know slightly on edgy behavior the thing that you know that led new zealand to be the first country to do the bungee jump and split the atom and things like that is this really? way that yeah I Not just learned something time. else. This is an amazing. Not okay. at the same time. Thank Anna goodness. Stratford, New Zealand-born um, <laughs> physicist, split the atom. Yeah. Uh, and uh, AJ Hackett uh, jumped off a bridge once. And um, so <laughs> then off the Eiffel Tower. Was a rope attached at that point? It was. It was, it was well, more than a rope. Yeah. The rope would have broken his, his yeah. legs. But yeah. um, but that, so that's that sort of um, the poor ticky spirit, you know, is that that person, you know, probably the customs officer having a bit of a joke with you and pretending to steal a passport I don't know, or whatever. <laughs> So that's, that's, that's three values that's there. Three. Pono, yeah. Manaki, Portikitanga. And the fourth one, really important, pertinent to this. It's like we scripted this and we didn't. <laughs> We're landing now back into agriculture mm. is a word called, um, kaitiaki. And, and kaitiaki means guardianship, intergenerational guardianship and care. And usually that relates to, to place. To, so Manaki is often around people and kaitiaki is about um, place, physical place. And so, 
this whole kind of idea is that you wrap up these things with this idea that New Zealand is a place that cares about people and place. Mm-hmm. And kaitiaki in Māori is a very important concept around, particularly at the moment, you know, the conversations around sustainability, around man's impact on the environment, around our adaptation for climate. This is this is sort of Western words for what is indigenous tradition all around the world that you have to respect the place that you're from you have to see yourself as part of an environment not as dominating an environment and kaitiaki is this concept of guardianship that we don't own the land we are just guardians of the land um the aboriginal have very similar concepts in many indigenous cultures when you flip your mindset to, to that you're no longer you know owning a piece of land and and extracting value from it you are you know respecting what the land gives you and then um, building the mana of the of the land. And so how are you relating that back to or how do you work with the agricultural sector in New Zealand to, yeah. to bring about some of those values? So we've been doing a campaign, for example, for the last probably about three years now, which is called Powered by Place. Powered by Place is this idea that um, the things that make New Zealand agriculture and agritech in particular um, useful are because of where we come from, not in spite of or coincidental to, but actually – the land has forged this, this spirit of, ingen- of ingenuity and innovation. It's also created the circumstances where we can create um, great technology, where our farming systems can, you know, respect the land. And so, powered by places is a, you know, a marketing sort of framework which has some core messages in there around how we want to portray New Zealand's agribusiness and agritech to the world. Um, you'll see here at Evoke, um, the Kiwis that are wandering around are wandering around in branded, you know, powered by place. And you, you see it on our, our banners and things like that. And it's the same when we go to the UK or to the Irish player or whatever it might be. Um, because it's reinforcing what people already know about us. Okay. We're great farmers and horticulturalists, et cetera. But then trying to expand that a bit more to say, actually, there's technology coming out of New Zealand, not just great food and food products like that you'll pay 20 bucks for in Zanzibar, <laughs> but also technology that has allowed us to be one of the most efficient farming systems, you know, agrarian farming systems, et cetera, et cetera. So really, that's the whole the sort of framework here is take what people already know and expand it. Perfect. Mm. And so then when when you're talking about agritech and the, and the reasons for being here at Evoke, yeah. what, what are you bringing over? What's what's your showcase piece besides the, the Powered by Place? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm here to talk tomorrow. I'm going to talk a bit about one of the sessions is going to be about how brand and countries portray themselves. So I've been – it's really cool, actually. I got invited to be on a panel with someone from uh, representing Israel and someone from Ireland. So – uh, I thought I thought that's pretty cool. That's a nice company to be in. Yeah, it's a great company. Three, it's a pretty dynamic little yeah, crowd, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a cool. Um, yeah. And we'll all be talking about different aspects of this idea of country and and brand and place being important. Um, Ireland's got some great work that they've done over the years in a campaign called Origin Green, which talks about. And damn, I wish we'd thought of that phrase before then. Origin but um, green, of course, we, we thought Origin Black. No, it doesn't oh. quite work. Um, but it is. It's all about you know that traceability and that security of supply through their supply chains. We really like admire that that work that they're doing. And then Israel is obviously extremely well known for their innovation and ingenuity. So. You know, I'll learn from them. But so part of me being here is to, is to talk about our experiences of working with brand and, and story internationally. Um, but also supporting, we've got about 50 odd New Zealand businesses, um, here and researchers and scientists and some, um, investors, et cetera, who are all doing varying things. And, you know, we as part of the government system that supports them is, uh, are here to kind of make introductions and help them 
you know, find new opportunities. Opportunities. Hopefully. What surprised you about this role? Because, you know, you've talked about all the, the warm and fuzzies and, and the yeah. positive things you're putting out there, but you've had a pretty interesting background too. So when you're starting to nut into the numbers and the, um, what other countries think of you, yeah. what, what surprised you? I mean, I was pleasantly surprised on, on one hand. You know, the brand of New Zealand is typically one of the top 20 country brands globally. We're really lucky that our our brand sort of stands for something already, and it's already a really solid starting place. Um, so that surprised me positively. What's what's sort of surprised me in a more disappointed way is that it, our the breadth of perceptions is pretty narrow. You know, if you go to a place like America and you ask them about New Zealand, they literally will say things like, "I think you've got emus there," mm. mistaking us with you guys, or. Um, uh, is that where the Loch Ness monster comes from? Oh God! You know, and that's Scotland's not a joke. A fair way. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no, but, no, yeah. So you end up with this sort of going, oh, okay. But then at the same, in the same breath, almost they'll say, "But I want to go there. You're on my bucket list. You know, I love that." And you go, "Well, you know nothing about us, but you still got a positive association." Okay, we can work with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can start there. Exactly. Uh, but it was a surprise. It was a surprise. Yeah. That's funny. We won't go into this in too much depth because I don't think it's quite the forum, but the, you know, some, there are some policies in, in with farming in New Zealand where it's becoming difficult to, to do sort of intensive agriculture and, yeah. and in some of the, in some industries. How do you work with, with policy? Because, mm. you know, I, I know that realize that you're a government organization as well, but policy comes into development so much. Yeah. Um, how, how do you work with that? Yeah, we do. And there's interesting tensions going on all over in all countries around the world about the tension between, um, uh, I suppose government policy to protect the land uh, at times, and then what you know farmers or growers etc might want to do or have done in the past, and what the consumer what thinks the consumer. that you do, thinks you, you're doing. It's a really good point. One, I mean, for example, one of the things we're really, I mean, I'm personally really spending quite a bit of time thinking of, and I'm, I'm learning here and want to learn more here is this nexus between consumer sentiment, to your point, and consumers' willingness to take at face value claims that are made about sustainability or food provenance, etc. Cetera, et cetera, and then how your brand shows up in the market. Um, and whether we like it or not, New Zealand's brand is associated with kind of sustainable, pure, clean, green. And the reality is, frankly, we're not um, 100% pure. Um, you know, I'm, I'll say it. Um, we're on a journey like any other country, and in many ways we are still absolutely learning how to protect the waterways. You know, th- you know, we've just had some horrific weather incidents in New Zealand, which has shown that our um, some of our forestry practices, for example, have really negatively impacted the environment in a way that, that caused all sorts of issues. That aren't necessarily relevant and or not necessarily noticeable until no, an extreme event. No, like no, that suddenly you get all the slash from the yeah. from the cutoffs coming down the rivers and smashing the bridges and wiping out the orchards. So you've got this really interesting tension between to your point about policy. Governments, you know, have to think medium to long term. Industry um, tries to, but also has to live in a short-term um, world. There's a tension that's there that we have to really explore. And um, I personally think that you know my organisation has a role to play. Um, I'm, you know, the, the lens I'm bringing to it is definitely what is the global perception doing. You know, we went through the COVID years. We've largely sort of been quite introspective. Each country has been. New Zealand probably more than yeah, more you than know, many. More than many. You had such a strong policy yeah. around that. And as you as you now start to travel the world, you realise that things have moved on. You know, like consumer perceptions, what's acceptable, um, the role of ESG. All these things have changed quite remarkably in the last three to five years. And if we, as the brand of New Zealand, don't move 
at least as fast of, if not ahead of the market, then we'll get left behind. Mm. And you don't want to be doing that. I no. do want to ask you, I know that time is an issue right. uh, with us. But well, that's good. I'm okay. having fun. Oh, are you good? Well, I'm talking about myself. That's always fun, isn't it? <laughs> well, actually, I did want to ask you because, in, in, you know, when you do the little bit of research, I did find out that you were the semi-finalist for the New Zealander of the Year. Yeah. So what happened there? Oh, some You're bugger like, beat me. Yeah, I can't believe it. You're such a brand advocate. I thought you were a shoo-in. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Disappointment. Must try harder. <laughs> when you were uh, working with some of these um, startups and entrepreneurs and, and, you know, these really passionate people that are, that are they're hoping to, to do well in the name of New Zealand, what kind of advice do you give them when they we're go, going out and, and representing the country? Well, the number one piece of advice that I would give any New Zealand business is to be more confident. New Zealanders have a lovely, it's quite an endearing habit of being quite self-deprecating and a bit shy. And as a, I've worked in international trade development with the government for about 10 years now and did various roles, including this one. And it, it's so often um, I see this phenomenon where New Zealand business, who's got a lot to offer, great IP or great whatever it might be, they'll come to an event like this and they'll immediately sort of go into, oh, oh, oh it's all right, you know, we're okay. You know, mm-hmm. I remember going to a, a trade mission with the US and literally introducing an investor to a, a, like a startup mm. who I knew was good and I knew the investor wanted to talk to them and the investor goes, you know, American, hey, show us your product. And the guy goes, oh, yeah, it's all right. Oh, no. and like literally that's his first line and you can just see the blood drain out of the investor guy's face going, oh, where are you, oh, Turkey? And no. you've got to go, look, you've got to play their game, not your game. That's right. You're in their and, territory. And I think <laughs> when you're at these things, and it's easy to do because I do it all the time too, you, you talk yourself out of it. Like you know you're here for a reason. Yeah. You know your product's good and you're, and you're doing your thing, yeah. but then you just get daunted by all of these super smart yeah. people around you until you realize that everyone's bluffing just as much That's as right. everyone else. Imposter um, syndrome, we're all, we've all suffered from it. But no, I think in general, New Zealand companies can be more confident. A, they do have something to offer. They are well-respected. I come to an event like this and, you know, like you said earlier, people's perceptions of New Zealand are very positive. Um, so they shouldn't, there's nothing to hide. And then secondly, you know, the sort of expectation at an event like this one is that you are confident and that you need to put yourself out there and you need to do the networking and meet people. So that's probably one of the key advice and then and then for us it's you know from a brand point of view it's always you know New Zealand has got some real strengths you know already you're already starting on a with a positive mindset or a positive frame how do you build on that you know what are the things you're going to do that's going to reinforce the positive benefits and then grow it so what can Australia uh, learn from you and the way that you're doing things besides well be arrogant for me to think um and by Um, the way I do talk to my peer in Australia in Austrade um every now and then and and (laughs) She's wonderful. I think we learn from each other. I don't think there's – I think we're all on a journey, this journey towards this kind of, again, nexus between culture, you know, country culture and indigenous culture, sustainability and sort of the future of the world. Um, this, this sort of ancient meets modern um, is something we're all learning together. And I think we've been on a journey for a while in New Zealand. Maybe that, that there's some useful things that we've learned you know, that could be applied in other places. Absolutely. And we can all share, continue to share our celebrities too. Yeah. yeah well, you have Russell Crowe. <laughs> We're keeping the Finn brothers, all right? <laughs> no, I'll swap you. <laughs> no, no, I shouldn't say that. Um, look, I think it, it's been a terrific conversation, so we'll leave it there. But David Down, thank you so oh, much for your time uh, today. Namihi nui ki That means thank you very much. Have a great day. I would have believed anything you would have said to me just then. I really appreciate it. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening. You can find more fascinating interviews with speakers, presenters and innovators from the Evoke Ag 2023 event on our website, evokeag.com, or look for the podcast on any of your favourite podcast apps. Podcast.